0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of God. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about film. It's good to be back, or doing these episodes now every other week and i'm excited for this week's episode specifically last week was a lot of fun I had some uh, kind of bugs that i was working through and i thought that turned out well we talked about Candyman and Blast matinee as well as blank man i thought that was pretty fun and dear zachary of course but today's episode we're gonna, it's gonna be jam-packed we got a we got a lot of things to cover today. We got a couple feature rev- reviews, a movie, one movie that's been out for a while, and then one movie that just dropped this weekend, and um, Venom Two or Venom, let there be Carnage will be talked about, as well as Halloween Kills. Really excited for that. Uh, but because it's Halloween time, I wanted to because we're trying to keep these really horror themed for this month. I wanted to also give you my. Updated ranking because I've never done that actually before. I don't think you, I don't think I've ever ranked the Halloween movies on YouTube or anything like that. So I guess I gotta get it out there. I know you if you follow me on Letterbox, you probably have already seen it. Adam Daly, you can follow me. or I think it's Adam Daly Live still. Either way, you can find me on Letterbox. You'll see me there, and um, I think I'll probably put the link to the show notes there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but anyway, uh, my ranking's there, and I'll be ranking it here today on the show. Uh, uh, what? WTH? What the hell? Review is the Undertaker from 1988. A really fun. Uh, I think I that review turned out rather nicely. So I'm really excited to uh, have you guys hear my thoughts on that one. And then also the uh, blind spot review. So there's a quite a bit of stuff here today. The blind spot review is going to be Dave the Dead. Sorry, no, not Dave the Dead. I've seen that one already. It was Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero film. Day of the Dead is another uh, really good George Romero film, but for whatever reason, I've seen Night of the Living Dead, I've seen Day of the Dead, I've seen even some of his older Diary of the Dead, some newer stuff that he's Romero did, but I've never watched Dawn of the Dead. So I finally watched the the original version. I like the Zack Snyder one. We've actually talked about that movie with Todd. So, but anyway, I get to talk about the 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 older, the original, the version from George Romero called Dawn of the Dead. So really excited for that conversation too. But anyway, uh, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good myself. So uh, it's crazy. Not not so crazy week, you know, works kind of going, slowing down. So that's always a fun thing. Uh, I guess before we get started here, I hadn't watched a ton of movies uh, as of late. I know this week I probably watched the most because this TV show, the last couple of weeks we've been watching was Ted Lasso. And, uh, you know, really started watching Ted Lasso last couple of weeks because my the last week of the baseball season happened on October 3rd-ish and that my Seattle Mariners got knocked out the last day of the, the season, which no one expected them to be that far. But the big thing the Mariners were saying was believe and they were holding up the believe signs and you had Jared Kelinek going out and saying that we need people there and it was really cool. Uh, I, w- I guess I wanted to talk about Ted Lasso for a little bit because I thought that was a really awesome series uh, and – I, would, I knew I knew of the show. I, knew, I heard people really raving about it, but it was never one that I was like, got to go watch this show. Uh, but because the Mariners were really preaching uh, on the Believe thing, and they, they got it from there, I kind of got more interested in the show, and I got my wife on board with it, and we binged the heck out of that show. Two seasons, about 23 episodes, and they are all fantastic. Really like the show a lot. I think Jason Sudeikis has a really great job with that character. Not just providing humor, but providing... Um, kind of inspiration and also some heartfelt uh things and aspects in the thing especially talking about uh, you know anxiety disorders and panic attacks as well as you know kind of jealousy and uh, hurtfulness that comes with relationships uh, i think the whole show and dynamic of every character was really fleshed out i really like the characters like roy oi uh, he's like down kind of the uh the veteran guy who's been playing football for all basically all his life. And he's kind of in, in past his prime near the end of his career. And so he has to balance that There's also characters like Keeley. That's up and coming like a uh, person in the, the, the company of the uh, soccer team, football team, sorry. And then also you at the, uh, the owner of the football club and you got Nate the great, which, he, his characters definitely took a turn in the second season, which is frustrating, but I can definitely. I'm excited for what they do for the third season. And you got Beard, Coach Beard, which is the, Ted Lasso's assistant coach, which is always great. But all, and you got Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart, Dun 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 Dun, dun Jamie Tart, Dun Dun Jamie Tart. Okay, I had to do the baby shark thing one time, but anyway, a, a lot of great characters that really fleshed out show. If you have Apple Plus, definitely give it a watch. It doesn't, you know, it's a great, fun, really entertaining show. If you want some good comedy, some good heartford moments, I think every episode's really dang good and really fleshed out. I think the second season is probably my favorite one. I granted, I think it's fun. The first season's funnier, but I also almost brought got brought to tears, especially when it gets more into the anxiety and. Panic attack stuff on the season two, so that brought me to tears almost. Almost didn't cry all the way, but I almost did. But anyway, I said last. So let's get into our what's the the horror themed of this episode, and that is our featured review. All right, our very first movie on our featured review is a film that's come out for a couple been out for a couple weeks now. I think only one guy on our podcast uh, has seen it so far, and that is Venom. Let there be carnage. Right We should be out there, snacking on bad gosh! I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry! I don't know what came over me. Please, let me fix it. So I can forget it again! You are a loser. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Please, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. World. This world is carnage. Like family. 2021 film, of course, directed by Andy Serkis. Yes, the Andy Serkis. I know the Andy, the Andy Serkis you're thinking of, the guy who plays this guy. My yeah, that's the Andy Serkis who directed this film. Really cool uh, to see him direct a uh, film. He had directed a couple other films like Mowgli, which I would believe was a Netflix film, Mowgli Legend of the Jungle in 2018. He also had uh, Breathe in 2017 and also Animal Farm, which does not show a day that they came out. But anyway, regardless, Venom, Let There Be Carnage is the second film in the Venom guess franchise, maybe the Spider-Man franchise. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, but it also stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock slash The Venom. Woody Harrelson comes in from his post-credit sequence in the first movie, and he plays Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. And Michelle Williams returns as Anne Wing, which I never think they ever said her last name in the movie. Na- Naomi Harris comes, and she's totally... Uh, she plays a character called Frances Louise Barrison, or The Shriek, and she's totally harnessing... The character from *Pirates of the Caribbean* that she played, uh, she totally looks like the same uh, character in that those films there. But yeah, she shows up, and then you know some other people too. But nothing, nothing crazy. But anyway, so it takes place shortly after. I guess, I guess you would say shortly after the events of the first film. After finding a host body, investigative reporter Eddie Brock the. The alien symbiote Venom must face a new enemy, Carnage, the alter ego of serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Uh, So going into this movie, I was really excited, kind of. Well, I say really excited. This was the second film that we watched in our double feature today. And I got to say that this one uh, gave me everything I wanted, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And the first film, uh, the first Venom film, it is kind of over-the-top, ridiculous, film it's a movie that definitely doesn't take itself too serious but i enjoyed it for the most part i thought it was actually rather interesting to see this character it's different to see venom without spider-man and uh because i associate venom with being one of my favorite spider-man villains so you don't when you don't have spider-man there and you're just having venom as his own character it's kind of different it's like having a Catwoman movie without batman (laughs) it doesn't work, or it shouldn't work. And in, in case of Catwoman, it didn't work. Halle Berry did not do a good job with that movie. It's not her fault, but anyway, uh, Phantom here, uh, the second film, it it is definitely feels exactly like the first one, but with off, obviously different changes. The really cool thing about this movie is that it's only ninety seven minutes, so it's not that long. And but it is some cheesy, corny fun that is very enjoyable. There are some violence in there, too, that, but it's not over-the-top uh, gore like a, a, a horror film would be, and there is some humor here, and I will quote a tweet. I'm taking this, Todd. I already texted you about it, so you know this is coming, but I, Todd and I were talking about it because he was the other one that had watched it already, and he said Venom and Eddie feel are basically like a nagging married couple, which is completely 100% accurate. Even my wife was like, yeah, that's pretty spot on. Yeah, that that's yeah, Can't go wrong with that. Uh, it's a bizarre movie that he said. He says it's such a bizarre, but it's clearly not great. But it's also a lot of fun. Short. So I agree with all those points there. It is a film that has a, so much entertainment value. You kind of overlook everything else. My one, of my, some of my favorite things here is that Woody Harrelson. Uh, he always kind of chews up every movie that he's in, regardless if it's even good. He's always some of the best characters in the films, the ones that you want to see more of. I definitely felt that, especially with like in the Hunger Game franchise. the The third and fourth film of those movies weren't really that good to me, and I, but I enjoyed Woody Harrelson in in those movies. So he comes here. He chews up a lot of scenery. He's kind of over the top, flamboyant, ridiculously crazy. Uh, has a really bad haircut in this film, I would have to say. I do not like his hair, uh, but he has that Woody Harrelson's charm and smile, and he's a serial killer once again, uh, natural-born killers. I might have to do that as a blind spot because I haven't seen that one, but I know he's a killer in that film, or at, le- at least I just hopefully I didn't put my foot in my mouth. Anyway, uh, but Woody Harrelson's great in this one. Tom Hardy returns, like I said, as Eddie Brock and Definitely has a good rapport with Venom and some of the stuff that he goes through in this film is ridiculous, but it is fun. Yeah. A lot of talk about, there's a lot of talk about chicken and chocolate, a lot more than I remember the first film being. So the chocolate budget and the chicken budget must've been through the roof. I like the Sonny and uh, Claire uh, reference with the two chickens in there. Uh, But the the humor between the the two characters of Eddie and Venom completely work. It, it, I don't I never knew how it would have worked. Like the first time I would, this thought came out. This movie came out with him talking to himself all the time, but it, it does. They they somehow make this film work. and It's great. Michelle Williams is kind of really kind of just background in there. She's just kind of uh, wasted mostly. You know, she's such a talented actress from Manchester by the Sea and uh, My Weekend with Marilyn oh, oh, and Blue Valentine, of course, um, among other things that she's done. She's always really great in everything she's done, but she kind of feels in a way that any other per- actress could have really played this character of Anne which is a shame because I wanted to see more from Michelle Williams, but the scenes that she is in, you can tell that she's kind of having fun and she's just doing her thing. I'm not taking it too seriously either. Naomi Harris, like I said, it she's basically playing the same character from pipes of the Caribbean a little bit, but she has a superhero, like a power of shriek. So that's the only thing I didn't really understand because it felt kind of, they said clearly said mutants and um, that would be like an X-Men thing. Um they never have never said mutants in the MCU. And I'm mentioning this and because it's been out for a few weeks. If you have don't want to know what the post-credit sequence is, I guess I'll I'm gonna throw up a big spoiler here. I guess you can't really see it me throwing up anything, but just know I'm talking about it right now and uh fast forward like two minutes. I will say that. Starting now, the post-credit sequence is basically Venom uh, and Tom Hardy watching and Eddie Brock watching uh telenovela and all of a sudden it kind of changes something happens and then it is you see a a scene of of jk simmons pops up on screen and he's playing jj jameson jj jameson and there's peter parker's tom tom holland's peter parker holy cow did they just get sucked in the mcu that's pretty crazy that's probably the 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 best scene of the, the entire movie and it's also really exciting because no way home is coming out in December. Is he going to show up in that movie? I, I've been saying that venom was going to show up as the post credit sequence the whole time for Spider-Man no way home. Uh, but it's, he's coming out now. And we're really excited for that. Anyway, that's enough for the spoilers. If you're back here, here is my rating. I'm going to give this one, two and a half stars. It's not great. And I'm not going to pretend that it is a great movie. I'm not going to give it like any higher than this It's definitely a top two and a half star movie it's so close to being three stars uh you know if you know i i'm always i'm pretty favorable on the superhero genre because it's just a fun genre to begin with they may these films may never crack my top 10 but it's movies that i'm um, maybe a little biased towards but i'm also becoming more aware that you know some of the movies have to be made well and be good and I, I really enjoy Venom and Venom is one that I can definitely re-watch. I can bypass a lot of things that are maybe air quotes not as good as other films but I can still have a damn good time with them. So two and a half stars is what Venom is, Let There Be Carnage is but you damn well better believe that I'm buying this film on 4K when it comes out. Can I honey? She shook her head yes. So yes we can buy it. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Venom, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, our next uh, feature review is Halloween Kills. We killed Michael. My grandmother set the fire. No one told you. you. Told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. Forty years ago, the boogeyman came for us. We are the survivors of Michael Myers. Lori, what do we do? We fight, Mom. Our family. We'll kill him. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. He He is not gonna stop killing until we stop him. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. besides. All right, our next feature review is Halloween Kills. Now just fair warning that I'm going to give you guys my quick thoughts on the film real fast. I'm going to give you my star rating and then we're going to go transition really heavily and really fast into the ranking of the entire franchise. So I'm not going go to go go less elaborate into my rating as I, or my review on Halloween kills. I like I did venom because I'll be talking about it shortly, but Halloween kills uh, is directed by David Gordon green. It's the second film that he's directed in this franchise and it's, takes place the same exact night as halloween 2018 as the returning cast members of jamie lee curtis judy judy greer and andy mackley as well as will Patton, and uh but anthony michael hall is the big uh actor that does show up he plays tommy doyle which if you any if you're familiar with the franchise tommy doyle this is his third appearance in the franchise the first time was in the uh, original Halloween film. That's the kid that Laurie Strode was babysitting. And he also appeared in Halloween six, the curse of Mike Myers. He was played by Paul Rudd in that film. Funny enough, uh, supposedly Bob Odenkirk is in this movie. That's what, at least it says here, but I, I did not see him at all in this film. Not that I was really looking into castle uh, returns as the shape. Um, and you have uh, James Jude Courtney as Michael Myers. Uh, James Hugh Courtney uh, might be my favorite Mike Myers actor. He is very brutal, very violent. Uh, Love is what how he's able to do here. But anyway, this one takes place uh, the same night and the, uh, he survived the attack. Mike Myers survived the attack and he's out for vengeance, out for blood. He's going around the town, killing more people. And uh, the townspeople are actually taking, uh, taking back uh, their fear. And they're going to go kill mike myers because evil ends tonight evil ends tonight evil ends tonight if you didn't hear it in my podcast the podcast today you will hear it like a half a dozen times more in the movie uh but evil dies tonight i just want to say uh this is a really cool movie i i there are some things that I have issues with. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like this world, no matter what. I'm a fan of this franchise. Even the films I don't really care for, I appreciate them for the in, um, the, uh, the 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 uh, whatever I can't even think of the other word, but whatever uh, entry they are in the franchise, I do appreciate each one of them. Uh, but Mike Myers is a fascinating character. I liked the the world. I wanted more Laurie Strode in this film. And I wanted more. Um, I wanted more Mike Myers. Even though we got a lot of a brutal killing here, it definitely focused a lot on the townspeople and a lot more on uh, Tommy Doyle and Anthony Michael Hall's character than I actually wanted. I thought that was some of the more uh, least interesting aspects of the film was with the people. It definitely felt kind of purgy, in a way, with the corniness. Uh, that's another thing that Todd and I were talking about. It kind of definitely felt purgy with a lot of the dialogue here the dialogue wasn't the greatest uh it's a slasher but i just want more better dialogue from are these kind of films because they are they're films that i enjoy i like this horror genres and i want them to be really good and uh, sometimes the dialogue's kind of falls flat and this one kind of did for me uh but i i had a fun time with this movie i love hearing that score that of jo- uh, that that classic score on the screen that uh it is, it's great, and Car- John Carpenter knocks it out of the park with that score I'm back back there as well. Uh, but overall, I'm going to give this one a three stars. It still is a positive film for me. I definitely cannot wait to re-watch this one again. i uh, probably even like it even more. I also enjoyed some of the flashbacks that they did. They're not quite ho- the original mm-hmm. Halloween 2 because the, the lore has been kind of rewritten. But it felt very, very reminiscent to Halloween, the original Halloween 2, which I appreciate. So anyway, and there's also cool callbacks if you're familiar with the franchise, like Halloween: Season of the Witch. That's uh, that makes some uh, little Easter eggs there, and I, I like that what they do there. So anyway, three stars for Halloween Kills. That's my ranking and or my rating. And now let's get into my ranking. All right, Halloween is about to get ranked. Uh, if you guys are listening here, make sure you guys go over to Twitter at Almost Sideways, and leave your ranking over there. We really, really love that. Uh, so anyway, there's 12 films in this franchise already. I'm going to be ranking them from worst to best. Now, my ranking is not the correct one. That's just my personal ranking. So here we go. We're kicking it off. We're starting out at number 12, Halloween, The Curse of Mike Myers, which is the sixth film that came out in 1995, and it's directed by Joe Chappelle. Terror never rest, rests in peace. Now, this one is um, uh, one that I just don't really care for. It definitely became a, a really a cult film where this cult is br- kind of giving Mike Myers the powers, which is that's kind of what this... they um, yeah, had the first two films are really connected. Then after the season of which didn't do so well, they brought Mike Myers back for the last next three, and those were kind of like in, an enclosed trilogy of films. And this one definitely just felt like... It did, did, it did not. This is definitely a negative film for me. I, I don't really recall this one because I've only seen it like a couple times. And I don't, just, just don't really care. The, some of the kills are very brutal. I like the, some of the farm kills that they do here. It is just one of those ones that it just does not resonate with me. Paul Rudd is not really good. Donald Pleasant's last film uh, has Dr. Sam Loomis, which is a shame because he's phenomenal in this whole series. Uh, but Paul Rudd definitely is ridiculously dumb in this movie. It's one of his first movies, and he is not dang, He's not good. It falls Cara, uh, Cara Strode, her uh, Laura Laurie Strode's cousin, and George P. Wilbur is the shape in here. And it's not. Uh, yeah, he's not. It's not really good. So for me personally, Halloween: Curse of Mike Myers is my last. Even though a lot of people really love it, though too, I hear. Number 11 is, my wife's going to be really upset because she's in the room with me, Halloween Resurrection, which is, came out in 2002, and it was directed by Rick Rosenthal. Now, this film is the tagline, is Evil Finds Its Way Home. Uh, the big negative on this one for me is that, uh, spoiler, they kill Laurie Strode off in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, and they have her tagged on the poster and everything. They even show her in the trailers, because I remember that. Uh, speaking, coming off the great film that Halloween H2O was, Resurrection, that was definitely a step back for me. It it, it would totally fit in the early two thousands, actually, probably now with reality TV and such, because it's it's a reality reality TV show that goes into Mike Myers of having these teenagers stay the night in Mike Myers for twenty four hours, but or not Mike Myers, but his house, his childhood home, and having these kids slowly get picked off one by one by mike myers and having buster Rhymes uh, go uh, fight him in the 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 final climax of the movie is kind of ridiculous uh there are some good things to like about it some of the kills are fun and some of the the dialogue is Fun, it's not, it's definitely not cursing Mike Myers, but it's one that I I would prefer to watch the other ones than Resurrection. But this is still a fun time if you don't like the franchise. All right, my next pick, my next number 10 is Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers came out in 1989. And the tagline here is Michael Lives, and this time they're ready. So this film takes place about a year after the kind of a fun film, Michael uh, Halloween 4, with that, that had the great ending sequence in Halloween 4. But this one takes that what the cool possibilities of that and makes it kind of the, the cult starts bleeding into that cult thing that Halloween six was. They had this kind of uh, premonition or n- not telekinesic or whatever. No, these basically Mike Myers and this little girl that was traumatized in the fifth or the fourth film. They're able to like somehow communicate with their brain. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just really bad. Uh, Donald pleasant pleasant. is like the best thing about this as Dr. Loomis. Uh, and I don't know this one is another one. That's kind of just forgettable because I just know where it's leading and it's Having them be on the same wavelengths is just kind of stupid to me and I do not like that whatsoever So I just want that I kind of avoid like the plague number nine on my list surprisingly is going to be Halloween from 20, 2007 directed by Rob Zombie now I, this is where they start getting really good to me. I like this film. I'm not going to say it's a negative film. It's very brutal. It's very Rob Zombie. And I, I really liked what he was able to do with this franchise. It's exactly like the first one, but also this way more intense. Uh, this one comes in an, an hour and 109 minutes, actually. So the the first like 40 minutes is all backstory on Mike Myers, which I don't really need. I didn't really need to know all that stuff on Mike Myers and him going to, in his uh, stuff at prison and everything. However, it's, it is interesting. Zombie just has a great way of filming this and uh, definitely appreciate a lot of the brutal kills here. And Laurie Strode, he's going to get you, I guess. And uh, he's, he's out for you. So this is where it's the franchise really starts taking a really good turn. I really like this one. This is all everything, everything, every, all the other movies above this are all three star films. So uh, there's that. The number eight for me is Halloween two came out in 1981, directed by Rick Rosenthal as well. The, the nightmare isn't over. This one takes place right after the, the events, of the first film, they're still hunting Mike Myers down after the the events of the first movie and it is a great little follow-up here i really enjoy this one uh the ending is uh, shocking and they wanted to end the franchise there they didn't want to make any more halloween movies after this with mike myers they wanted to make more anthology films however this one was it, it's definitely good it has some really cool uh, sequences a lot of hunting and tracking them down and so it's a more of a suspense film for me and kind of a thriller but really effective at what it does too. So number eight is Halloween two coming in. At number seven is another Halloween two, and that is directed by Rob zombie from 2009. A lot of people might say this is completely too high. This should be a negative movie. This one's horrible. However, the balls that Rob zombie had making this film, making completely d- dumb, not dumb, but uh, completely different than the, what everything that came out before, is awesome. The tagline for this one is family is forever, by the way. Uh, Also using his wife in this one um, was very interesting what they were, uh, they did for him. Brad Dorff, who uh, you might know from the voice, he plays the voice of Chucky. He shows up here um, as the sheriff and Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Sam Loomis, which is um, he returns here and Sherry moon zombie as Deborah Myers, Mike Myers, mom. That was really ballsy. She shows up on a white horse too. It's, it's completely bonkers, over the top, ridiculous, but it's so brutal and in your face that the first op- the opening shot is like, what the hell just happened? And it's I, I I really love this movie a lot, a lot more than a lot more pe- other people. But it's gonna fall in right here at number seven. Number six is gonna be Halloween Kills from 2021. I just talked about it in the review here. I'm putting it here for right now. I think it could go higher or possibly lower depending on more times. I, I still really, I still enjoy this. It's still really soon to put it up any higher than it currently. I really love the brutality of the film. Uh, I did not like the townspeople that, that all that stuff I could have taken done without. And the focus on Tommy Doyle as Anthony Michael Hall It's kind of, I, did, I didn't care for that one more Laurie Strode, uh, but it's still a fun, effective film that I enjoy. So. Uh, Number five on my list is going to be Halloween 4. The Return of Michael Myers came out in 1988, directed by Dwight H. Little. Horror has returned to Haddonfield. That's the quote there. That's probably one of the better endings of any film in the franchise. Really shocking conclusion to that. Mike Myers, compared to the the two previous films of Mike Myers, Halloween and Halloween 2, in this little earlier franchise, he is definitely more brutal in this one. The mask is super cheesy looking. It's like definitely bad mask. But uh, Mike Myers in this Halloween four film is very brutal. He's uh, he's effective, and it's just a really cool time. He is definitely a lot faster in this one than the other films, uh, but he's super effective. This is basically like the uh, filmmakers heard the outcry of the, the, about Halloween three seasons of the witch. They didn't really like that one. They wanted more Mike Myers and they gave every <laughs> basically everything they wanted. They gave people in this film. So it's one that a lot of people, other people have lower because of that, but I still think it's really a rather effective film. So coming at number four on my list is Halloween H2O 20 years later from 1998, directed by Steve Miner. blood is thicker than water. Uh, this is a really dang awesome film. Lori Strode is a principal of the school. Her son is Hotshot Josh Hartnett, uh, a.k.a. John Tate, which is uh, Lori Strode was going as an alias of Carrie Tate in this one. Uh, But you got Adam Arkin, Michelle Williams shows up in it as well. Joseph Gordon Levitt, LL Cool J. Such a dang cool cast. Janet Lee shows up in here as well. This cast is very underrated. One of the funner films in the franchise. Complete 90s thing right there. It, it definitely had like I don't know which cast is cooler. I don't know which one it had uh, is 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 it this one, The Faculty is another 90s like horror film that I really like and Scream too. These are all really films with a cool cast. And H2O, what an underrated uh, film and uh, for horror. It's a uh, uh, re- they basically changed everything up from the Mike Myers formula for this one because Halloween six definitely was kind of a dud of the a movie it had a lot of backlash to it. I think there's a director's cut out there. I didn't mention before, but I, I hadn't watched that yet, but anyway, H2O uh, completely got fills like a, uh, Breath of fresh air compared to all the the previous four entries uh, with Mike Myers, and it is just a damn cool movie. I just wish they had a better follow up from and then resurrection in my personal opinion. Uh, but yeah, H two O is a fun time. It, it feels completely nineties, but it's so effective in what it does, and it is awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. if you like nineties horror films, uh, you're gonna like have a lot of fun with this one. Uh, number three on my list is Halloween three: The Season of the Witch. Now. This one doesn't have Mike Myers. I'll just, just throw this out there. It came out in 1982, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. The Night No One Came Home is the tag here. Uh, this is a very interesting film. It is about uh, novelty masks uh, made by Silver Sh- Shamrock Mask Company. Uh, Silver Shamrock. And basically, they're creating these masks that kill kids on Halloween. It is So weird, so trippy. Uh, Actually, um, my sister in law just watched this one for the very first time, I believe, and she was like, Yeah, this is not my favorite. She did not like this one recently, but I don't care. For me, I really like this one. It's totally different. It completely uh, is definitely a different film. It's an anthology kind of horror film. It feels completely different from the franchise. To put it into perspective, for people to understand for today's age is like the incredible Hulk in the MCU completely feels different than every other film in that film, uh, that franchise because it came out in it by a different company. This is what that film basically is. This film is completely feels different because it doesn't have the, the traditional like, serial killer, Mike Myers in there. It's different. It has a Halloween name. It's effective. It's one of those lost forgotten films here, but it is still really cool. I'm going and tracking down silver shamrock, trying to figure out about these masks, Really cool homage here with the three masks they have in this film in Halloween kills. I picked that up right away. I I really appreciate that. So Halloween three season of the witch comes in number three. Number two on my list is Halloween 2018. David Gordon green here and this one and face your fate. Now this one takes all the other films, throws them out the window and makes a new Halloween two. Uh Laurie Strode. Uh, comes back, and I thoroughly enjoy this one a lot. This one, by far, should be one of my favorite films of 2018. I'm trying to figure out where exactly it falls, because I should probably redo my 2018 list, because if I'm being honest, this is probably near the top of my 2018 list, and it is just because it's such a cool movie. David Gordon Green does a great job telling the story, making it feel new and fresh, but also a sequel and also original it's just just a little bit of everything i'm looking at my top 10 list of that year and yeah i think i'm changing it up i think i'm putting it at least in my top my uh, top seven i think it has to be up there i, I gotta put it in there but anyway the uh, this halloween film is just it's such a cool story it, it feels like fresh and original and the kills are brutal it, it is just everything you want in a new kind of uh uh halloween film it, it's hard to explain it but it is really cool it, it's just and seeing this guy back on the screen and watching halloween on the big screen was such a, a memorable experience that i'll never forget and of course that means number one is going to be halloween number uh, 1978 from john carpenter the night he came home currently And this is my number 50 favorite film of all time. The original Halloween, Uh, not the scariest entry in the franchise, uh, rather paint by numbers, horror film, slasher film, but it is damn effective. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoy this one. The score from Carpenter, the whole premise of Mike Myers. It is really awesome. Laurie Strode, the scream queen herself, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis. It's awesome. And, uh, Everything about this film really works on every level and became one of my favorite Carpenter films. I think the thing is actually currently rated higher than this one, but Carpenter does a great job. He tells these stories. He's effective. He knows his, his scope, what he's, what he's doing. And he's really being effective with all every uh, image in this film. No uh, image is out of place. Everything is in the right spot. When he's telling the stories, the kills are, not as gruesome as other films, but they're effective, and it's just a brilliant film through and through, and it's one that I have to watch every year. I don't have to watch their other franchise films, but I have to watch at least the, this Halloween film at least once a year on, in October, so maybe multiple times. But anyway, that's my current ranking of the Halloween franchise. All 12 films ranked towards best. Whew. Now I need some water because my mouth is dry. Anyway, now let's get to what the hell. All right, we are back for the second installment of WTH where I find a random movie and I talk about it with you guys. So I didn't find this one per se anytime soon. I actually found it a few years ago, and this is a film from 1988 called The Undertaker with starring Joe Spinell as Roscoe, a.k.a. That Undertaker. Uh, this film is directed by Frank Avanka and Steve Bono. So how did I come across this film, you may ask? I don't know if you're asking that, but if you, if you are, here's, I'll tell you the story. I went to a crypticon convention up in Seattle, which is a horror convention where actually I was able to meet a uh, wrestling icon, Mick fully funny enough. And I went there with, uh, I was doing a podcast before called the red and Brown podcast, Ben Brown, Ben Brown. If you're listening, Hey, how's it going, buddy? We need to work together again. Went with him to the convention where we saw never hike alone, which is a, fa- a fan film of, uh, Jason, the Friday, the 13 films, uh, We met Vincent DeSanti, the director of that film, and we just walked the show floor. And they have a bunch of cool horror films there, a lot of ones you've never probably heard of. And I came across this booth where the company there was finding old horror films and kind of restoring them, kind of like Criterion would do. And but with instead of classics, they're doing with horror films, they would find some footage and they're trying to piece the films together and give you uh, put them back out there so people can see these lost works from horror films, which I thought was fascinating. So I picked two films up and two films I thought had really cool cover art, which I think. We're don't judge a book by its cover type of thing. I'm, I was kind of hoping these films would be fun because the cover of the DVD or Blu-ray was actually rather fascinating. I found a film from 1960-ish, I believe, called Sweet Sugar. That didn't really land, and I won't be talking about that one. Uh, but I found this other film with a really cool cover. Now, the because this is audio, this doesn't really do its justice here because uh, we're, we're on audio form. We can't see anything right now. But this film is... Uh, undertaker has a really cool slip cover that looks like a coffin and uh, the box looks really fascinating too. And as I was look- reading the back of it, um, the, the description of it was really fascinating. And there's also some really cool history about the film as well. So the p- quick plot real fast, before I get into some of the history of the film, uh, the undertaker four years, Roscoe played by Joe Spinell, who also appeared funny enough in like Rocky, uh, Rocky, Rocky, taxi driver and Godfather too so he had some he's a an actor who's been in some bigger projects but was kind of known for some horror films has been the town undertaker however inside his funeral home he, he's been amassing a bloody collection of human souvenirs which he uses in unspeakable acts of violence and perversion when some townspeople begin to disappear under s- strange circumstances Roscoe's nephew starts to grow suspicious of the goings-on in his uncle's funeral home. As he gets closer to the truth, he immediately begins putting the of those around him at risk as well as his own. So it's very. Uh, it, it, it sounds like a very cool plot for a film, but the first thing you see when you push play on the Blu-ray um, menu is that you get some history about the film. And what the, the, the I will read verbatim what it says right now, on the screen, it says this version of The Undertaker you're about to see is the most complete version of the film. In 2012, we discovered a 35 millimeter original camera negative, but roughly six minutes of footage was missing from the negative. We have been searching for the missing footage ever since without success. Given the importance of the film, we decided to source the missing footage from a work print VHS we have done our best have to improve the VHS image quality and make the transitions from film to VHS as smooth as possible. I think that's rather, rather fascinating. And maybe it gives the movie even more credibility in my eyes because it feels like there is a piece of history here. The transitions are pretty flawlessly done. You can clearly tell that the grainy footage and the low res images are what we're looking at. We're looking at the work print uh, VHS footage. Uh, the transitions, like I said, were really well done. And for being a, a six minutes of footage, it's okay. If the movie is not that long. It's only an hour twenty-eight, but it's still, it still was done really well. And I, I give the, the the people re kind of uh, who are re putting this film together and kind of restoring it in a sense, give them their due their, their, their props because I thought that was really cool and putting this film back out there so people can see it more importantly, that's the, that's the, that's awesome. That's uh, being a film enthusiast. If I've ever seen it, putting, uh, putting hard work into making films come back to us as viewers. Um, so this is uh was really cool and fascinating. Uh, some things I really loved about this film, uh, Joe Spinell, uh, he's creepy. He's dirty. He's uh, uh, crazy. Uh, Not the the craziest performance I've ever seen in a horror film, mind you, but he does his uh, his job well in this one. He's clearly creepy uh, and grimy. You know for a fact that he's up to no good right when you see him on camera, but uh, that's something crazy about the movie. I thought his performance was probably the best thing about it. Um, This is one of his final films uh, that he's ever done. I think he died in 1989, if I do believe so. But anyway, The Undertaker is uh, dark and it's violent. It's a slasher. Uh, one of his... I guess this is a very memorable work. A lot of things I've read about it, that this is a very memorable character. A lot of people who have seen this remember Joe Spinell as this Undertaker. That's what they associate with him. At least the images, anyway, I've seen. And... Um, this recut i thought was pretty dang good i hadn't like granted, i haven't you know, I, I don't think many people have seen the original film and it's entirely since 1988 maybe but i thought they did really good i have to give them the props for this for this this feels low, like a complete 1980s film where it has a lot or maybe like just not a 1980s film but a, a typical beat lower uh, b-level horror film where you have a lot of dumb characters, some di- dumb dialogue, poor execution on the dialogue, uh, unnecessary uh, nudity scenes, uh, a teacher te- teaching about necrophilia, which sparks the nephew to say, hey, I think my uncle's doing something crappy in this funeral home. The kills they do pull off here do pack some impact. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. I think they do a really good thing with the makeup work and the body horror images, but bo- the gruesome body effects here too. I thought that was pretty cool. Another really interesting aspect here. There is this, a, the background of the film. There's this, a movie theater that takes place here where they are. Some of the people in the film are watching a horror film, uh, a satanic horror film. I think where this cult guy, the cult leader was doing a, a human sacrifice and um, in the film Roscoe here uh, sees that has seen the movie a couple of times and actually pulls off that murder, and that's some of the footage in there is the grainier footage, I believe. Or at least the, the 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 film that they shot for the movie theater sequence that is that's the grainier footage. But when you you see the execution from Joe Spinell's character, that isn't grainy. But the, there's a movie theater owner who kind of puts two and two together that a lot of the killings are taking place just like this movie. So that's kind of it becomes like a little investigation of, of this movie theater guy, which is pretty cool. Overall, I, I'm not gonna say this is the greatest horror film I've ever seen. I, I like my horror films, but this sometimes these lower budget ones they can do a little bit more, and because they're not gonna be seen by too many people. So there's some of it is a little gross for me, a little too much. I probably wouldn't watch this one again, but having it part of a collection, I, I do have a gift of props for that. So uh, I'm glad I have this movie. And uh, I, I give this movie two stars. I'm not ashamed by that. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, it is one of those movies that, you know what? I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm coming up with reasons why I'm going to give it two stars. However, I really don't think I've said anything too terribly negative about it. I, I I'm going, You know what? I'll raise it up. I'm going two and a half. I'll do two and a half stars. I'm feeling maybe a little generous today because I, I appreciate the historical... Relevance of a film like this and seeing the hard work that people put together and try to find a film like this one that no one's ever heard of and put it back out there for people to watch. I I really enjoyed the experience. There's some stuff. Yeah, maybe that doesn't work today in today's horror atmosphere, but there's something to say that this did work before and there are some cool kills. There's some interesting character work and character say with Joe Spinels and him talking to his corpses. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, two and a half. Uh, You know, I'll go. I'll go up two and a half stars here. It's about mid-pack for 1988 movies. It doesn't make my top ten or anything like that. But it is a fascinating film. And who knows? Maybe next year I'll do a revisit. Who knows? But anyway, that's my What the Hell review to this week, The Undertaker from 1988. If you had somehow come across this film, let me know if you can hit me up on Twitter. That'd be awesome. At Adam Sideways. It's really a low-budget film, but it kind of was effective in a way, too. So, Two and a half stars. I felt really generous. I had already pretty recorded. I already had recorded a version of this, but didn't like how the audio turned out, so I re-recorded it and have since raised my rating because I re-talked about the film a second time. So Maybe I should do that more often. Who knows? (laughs) Let's move on to the next segment. All right, we are back with our final segment of the day, and that is the Blind Side Review. Why haven't I watched a film? And today is is kind of a glaring omission. Because it's Halloween time, I wanted to go with movies that are Halloween-themed. In my top 100 films of all time, actually top 50 movies of all time, is George Romero's Night of the Living Dead previously Todd and I had also reviewed Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead leading up to army of the dead coming out. So I don't know why I've never seen 1978's Dawn of the Dead, the original film by George Romero. Um, I've actually owned this for a few weeks now, been waiting to watch it. This is the perfect time to do so in a segment like this. I found this at the pawn shop. I found a DVD copy of it. It's really good condition. It's uh, fantastic actually. So, what is this film about? Well, an uprising zombie apocalypse has occurred for some reason and we have, we follow a group of survivors and they have a helicopter they're flying around trying to survive. There's a group of four of them find a mall, they land on the mall and they try to like they inhabit it. They seal it off, they're secure, they're living in there for a certain amount of period of time. And then a group of, I guess, army mercenaries. They're not really army people, mercenaries. They were considered an army group from the uh, survivors that that we've been following this whole time. However, it's just a group of looters uh, come in and try to wreak havoc on them all. Uh, So anyway, Dawn of the Dead is filmed by George Romero, the king of the zombie flick. He is really as is a way of capturing the feel and the scope of his films. Even when they remake, try to remake his films, it is really hard to capture that same exact magic. I think Dawn of the Dead is one of the few exceptions, however. I think Zack Snyder is a damn great remake, reimagining, whatever you want to call it. He does a really great job capturing the feel, but also the look with his own uh, visual style. There's something about a George romero flick that just gets you excited it's kind of hard to explain really because i've seen so many zombie flicks but none of them uh, really capture that feel of greatness i feel there are a few exceptions however i really love what george romero did with obviously night of the living dead uh his film diary of the dead was really great as well and i love train to bazan that's another fun one and you know there's a couple i'm now i'm drawing a blank as i'm talking here but but I guess the point is I'm trying to make is that George Romero has a way of making fantastically great zombie films. And Dawn of the Dead is is right up there with one of my favorites, too. It It's completely different than the remake, but it is very similar in a lot of ways. It's one of those movies that, you know, sometimes when we're at home watching a film that we kind of are – it's a habit to – check your phone or check what's going on in the world too, especially during playoffs time for baseball and such and football games. This is a film that when we were watching, we were just, you know, off our screens. We were focused on the story at hand. We got kind of up in this world of living in this mall and surviving a zombie apocalypse and caring about the characters as well. Uh, Each one of them brings something different to this group, this kind of family, if you will, and it it's very interesting to see their dynamic it's forever changing it's uh up in the air and in the ending it was kind of surprising a little bit i kind of you kind of know where it's going to go where they can't stay there but it's the journey through the whole runtime is fantastic comes in about a little over two hours but it is uh two hours that just flies by and this dawn of the dead film is Absolutely, a four-star film. I think currently, if I'm pulling it up right now on almostsideways.com, our place for all our rank uh, ratings and such like that and uh, up-to-date movie conversation. Pulling up 1978 here on our website. Terry actually just upped the uh, from 1960, so definitely be checking of our top tens for each year. Anyway, uh, so 1978, I've only, I only have like seven, we'll have only seven films in my top 100 or top 10 of that year. But it's going to be no, my new number three right behind The Deer Hunter and Halloween as my one of my favorite films from 1978. It's an easy four star film. If you guys haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, make sure you do so. A.S.A.P. All right. Well, that is the show for today. We had a I had a fun time discussing my Halloween ranking as I talked about Halloween kills as well as Venom Two, Dawn of the Dead from George Romero, and our What the Hell review of the Undertaker. Really excited to talk about all those films. Uh, and this week, you know, I usually kind of leave. Well, I say usually, but the last two, the last time I kind of told you what I was going to putting out there. But you know, this time. I'm really not sure what I'm going to review for Halloween week, but I know I want to check out that new film called The Night House. Definitely want to check that film out, so I'll probably try to get a a featured review for that one. And I also want to check out this film that I've been meaning to watch for a very long time because I'm a big fan of The Thing. Uh, from John Carpenter, but I want to check out 1956's The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think it's a really cool film to check out for my blindside review of this for this last week of Halloween, October, and then we'll get on to some other uh, fun shenanigans later on. But, yeah, for sure, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing for the rest of it, but The Night House, for sure, I want to check out, and The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I might throw in some fun, cool stuff there later as well. But anyway... Until next time, guys, I will see you and see you in the next one, or talk to you in the next one. Stay spooky, my friends.